Guys, I'm super psyched. I love being here right now. Yeah. I don't think we ever said last week that we were recording remotely. If you if they couldn't tell from how Isaiah sounded. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Jinx. Yeah, so instead of doing that, we decided to not do that anymore. Yeah. So well, <laughs> we don't have the proper setup for that. We had Just one say episode. What you want to say, Mark. One episode That's where true. we say recorded it. remotely and now I we're just together. Said it. <laughs> now we're together. I'm excited. He wants to say that my laptop is is a crap top. Ooh, it is. Your laptop's a crap. But that's top. what happens <laughs> when you get it for free. Yeah, I did get well, it. Well, to free. be fair, there was also issues with your laptop, Nick. So, oh! To be fair, hold on. I got to tell the story real quick of how we got that laptop. I thought I was setting him up. So these people who I thought were Jehovah Witnesses knocked on my door to talk to me with a big giant iPad, like the size of my entire face. Mm. And that's huge. The iPad Pro. Yeah, and uh, they started talking to me about, you know, signing up for Verizon. They had no Verizon gear. They had nothing attached to them that made me think that they were actually working for Verizon. And when the guy showed me his ID, he, like, covered the face on it. And I'm like, no, I'm good. But he used to live upstairs, Ryan. He used to live upstairs from me. I said, but I think my friend upstairs would be totally interested, <laughs> thinking that he would not even be close to interested. I just wanted to get him upset. And he actually wound up signing up. Yeah, it did. And they gave you a laptop. And they gave yeah. him the, the crap tap. Yeah, there was so much there was so much free stuff they were throwing in. There was a free laptop, there was a hundred fifty dollar gift card, there was a hundred dollar credit. You got there all of that? There was free Netflix for a year. You got all of that? All of that. Yeah. What? For switching to Verizon. Was it worth it? In the beginning, yeah. <laughs> But he glances at his laptop. Yeah. yeah. In the beginning, not now. now I kind of wish I had a good laptop. This laptop doesn't work anymore. But hey, I mean, it served its purpose a few years. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's better than not having... I do have another laptop, but it's super old. Yeah. So it's... Uh, Maybe if you just plug them together, mm. it'll make one big, fat, good laptop. You think so? Yeah. like An get old it. laptop and a newer crap top? Yeah. Maybe. Just like plug them together. Yeah. Well, that's actually a thing. It's called daisy chaining. You can do that with some desk, can you? desktop computers. That's cool. But not with Ryan's crap top. <laughs> <laughs> desktop crap top. Yeah. Put them together. Mm. What do you have? Nothing, probably, like Mark said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I couldn't wait. I couldn't even sleep last night thinking about recording. I was really looking forward to <laughs> I bet it. That's a lie. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a little over the top. <laughs> no, I couldn't. Sl- I couldn't sleep. I was thinking about it. I was preparing. I was. I was freshening up on Jeremiah. By the way, listeners, that's what this episode is about. If the title didn't give it away, we are discussing the book of Jeremiah. But if you have followed us all this time, a whole year of recording, you know how we start the show. It's every show starts the same, and it's this way. Breaking news on Bible Dingers News Network. Guys, Dingers, you know how we start the show. Bible Dingers. You better be turning us up, Mark, not down. I'm Nick. I'm here with Ryan and Mark, and this is Bible Dingers. And we start the show every show with fake news or real news where I attempt to stump Mark and Ryan. So far for the season, I am O N one. Wait, do you know where the claps and the prices rights are? I don't. Yeah, you might wanna you might wanna check that out. All right. Price is right, I see right there. And then clapping I see down here. Yeah, that's it. Yeah? Let's test it out. All right, we're gonna clap for no reason, guys. Let's go. 
Yeah, it's been like several months since we actually recorded in person. Uh, it's, yeah, it's been five months. You know, yeah. you know what's funny though. Last episode that we did, um, no, 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 Isaiah, I forgot how to end the show. I forgot what I said. So if if you guys wondered why I was all weird closing the show last night, l- last time it was because we were recording remotely, and I forgot how to close the show. We hadn't recorded in six months, so. I was going to say, actually, the last thing we recorded was Habermas. Yeah, Gary Habermas. Yeah. yeah. But that's not going to air for a long time. But yeah. that was a, also a remote yeah. session. But sneak peek for all you listeners, we did interview Gary Habermas. That was in like March? Yeah, something like that. We did several interviews in the meantime, but no like episode episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, guys. Fake news, real news. You guys ready to get stumped? No. Today's going to be the day. Today's going to be the day. No. We gotta have uh, some type of uh, proposition that if I stump you, I get something. No, I don't think so. No, <laughs> we're a low budget production. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys ready? You know who Eminem is, right? Yeah, Eminem, Marshall Mathis. How do you feel about him, Ryan? I don't really like him that much. He's the greatest. Well, outside of you know us not wanting to listen to that type of music <laughs> anymore, he is the greatest. The greatest lyricist I've ever been alive to hear. Mm. Uh, his flow is insane. Mm-hmm. But um, that's just my opinion. Again, I don't listen to that anymore, but I did love him at one time. But yeah. Eminem uh-huh. was one of the first celebrities, big time celebrities, to be diagnosed with coronavirus. Is this fake news or real news? Well, I feel like it was Tom Hanks. Yeah, no, I, I didn't was, say uh, I didn't say the first. I said one of the first. One of the first. Well, it was Tom. But Tom Hanks was one of the big ones. Mm. Uh, so <sighs> I, thought, say, I heard something about the NBA early on. Yeah, that too. I'm gonna say that's fake news. I think it's fake. Yeah. Why do you guys say fake? Because I it's don't fake. remember hearing about. Yeah, that. me neither. I would have heard about Eminem getting the Rona. Yeah, Rona. Yeah, that's what the kids call it. Oh, that's what we're calling it now. Oh, I've been calling it the Roni. No, yeah, the Roni. The kids call it the Rona. That's because uh. your pastor called it the Roni, and everything he says sounds cool. So I guess so. We're gonna go with the Roni. Okay. <sighs> Obviously, I'm old for two. Obviously, old for two. I really thought that, that was gonna stump him because in this article, CNN breaking news: Eminem diagnosed with coronavirus. Um, it was it was a statement released by doctors that his palms were sweaty, knees weak, and arms were heavy. He presented with vomit on his sweater already. Initial testing had revealed mom's spaghetti. Mom's it was spaghetti. his mom's spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought That's that was so going to be more entertaining than it was, but yeah. hey, I'm over two. Unfortunately, over two, baby. That's pretty bad. Yes, yes, yes. So today... That's how you start? Yes, yes, yes? Yes, yes, yes. So today, on Sunday, June 7th... Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. 
We are speaking about the book of Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah up in the building. Building. So Bible thing up ooh. in this thing. Thing. That's really long. <laughs> Just so you guys know, apparently Jeremiah was Jamaican. Yeah, whenever I got the uh, Bible Dingers drops, I ordered like a year and a half ago now. I was trying to think of other stuff we could throw in <laughs> to the show like down the road. And this is really the only one I came up with. With Mo Fire from Jeremiah. Mo Fire! Fire! From Jeremiah! Maya. So that soundbite I've been holding on to for about a year and a half. And that's the same guy who did yeah, same who guy. does the, the yep. don't use pass every and scroll. single episode. Yeah. yeah, don't pass and scroll. Yeah. Yep, that's him. That's funny. Yes, sir. So, happy Jeremiah Day. Uh, just so you listeners know, he was not Jamaican. Yeah, Jeremiah yeah. wasn't Jamaican. Yeah. But he did sound Jamaican in the soundbite. And it's funny because Jeremiah does, he's kind of like a fire and brimstone <laughs> preacher, you know? So, sure. He's really doing he's some Mo Fire heavy yeah. preaching. I don't think there was a fire mentioned in this whole book. Well, that's just a phrase fire uh, and brimstone type sure of preacher. That? I don't think there was any fire. Did in you this. read the whole book? Yeah, I'm quite sure God talked about fire at some it's point. It's a whole lot of judgment. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, judgment yeah. Judgment prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we'll get into more of that, I suppose, but we will start, as always, by talking about the title of the book. Now, if you didn't know already, the title of Jeremiah is Jeremiah. Ooh, it's a close one. And similarly to all the other prophet books, it's named after the main character slash the author. Um, We're not sure what Jeremiah's name means, but it could mean one of five different things. This is what, this is what the scholar, the name scholars, have concluded that there could be five possible meanings for Jeremiah. The first one is Yahweh establishes. The second one is Yahweh exalts. The third one is Yahweh throws down. <laughs> Hold up! Do I have to say it? So, so can I get this straight real quick? <laughs> <laughs> I, at first, I usually put myself first because title and author are, are, are you know, Ryan is, is, is better at doing the difficult stuff. But because he wrote Yahweh throws down and in parentheses, he wrote, hold up. I was like, you know what? I got to see where he's going with this. So I'm going to put him first. And he disappointed me because he did nothing. Yeah, I didn't say anything. But that was that was more so me like trying like having a good time while making the outline. Hold up. Yeah, Yahweh throws down. Anyways, the the fourth possible meaning of Yahweh of not Yahweh, he's Jeremiah's name is Yahweh hurls. Yeah, and I'm assuming that it's more like a throwing type of hurls, <laughs> and not throwing yeah. up. And, not yeah, the, not throwing up, but that's throwing Eminem down. Yeah. Spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and the fifth possible meaning of his name is Yahweh loosens. Gotcha. Um, so that is the title of the book and the possible meanings of Jeremiah. Next, we will get into the author. Um, now, there's not a lot of mainstream debate over the authorship of Jeremiah, so there's not a ton of points to make in regards to providing evidence for his authorship. So what I mean by that is a lot of times scholars will focus on a book on providing evidence for the writer if there's a lot of criticism towards that book. But Jeremiah has never really received, received a lot of criticism. And so because of that, there's not a ton of work out there that I could reference that provides evidence for Jeremiah being the author. Got it. But even though 
um, that's the case, there are a few things that I wanted to mention. It has been traditionally accepted that everything besides maybe the last chapter of 52 was spoken by Jeremiah and then compiled. Um, it could have been compiled by Jeremiah himself towards the end of his ministry, uh, or it could have been compiled by Baruch, which is his like assistant. His scribe, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, or it could have actually been compiled by the same person who compiled the Book of Kings, um, and that's First Kings and Second Kings. And if you listen to that episode, you know that originally it's just one book, Kings. Um, so those are three possible compilers of the book. Some people do suggest that the person who compiled the book of Kings included chapter 52 in order to show the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecies regarding King Jehoiachin. Um, so whoever put it together, a lot of people assume that the writer of Kings did have a hand in the book of Jeremiah in some fashion. Um, a couple things about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was from the priestly line. However, it's not stated whether or not he entered into priesthood. Um, it's unlikely given how busy he was as a prophet. Um, so just because you're born into a priestly line does not mean that you actually become a priest one day, um, in that time in Israel. But, uh, he was born into the line, but we're not sure if he actually went into it. A few more things. Jeremiah never got married or had kids. Um, and that was in order to teach Judah an object lesson. And we, we see that in chapter 16, um, that there will be suffering and death in the land is the lesson of the object. Also, Jeremiah was from a small village named Anathoth, and that was not me with with a Did lisp. You have a lisp bro? No, that's a not lisp? me with a lisp. A lisp. Um, he's from a village named Anathoth, T H O T H. Could you say that one more time? Anathoth. <laughs> I like my spaghetti Anathoth. <laughs> <laughs> which was about three miles northeast of Jerusalem. Uh, today, the town's name is Anata. Ooh. Anata. How you doing? Anata Anathoth. Yeah. Also, one more thing about Jeremiah. He was forced to go to Egypt towards the end of his life. And that's in chapter 43, you see that. And he likely died there in Egypt. Got it. So Next is dated events. If you don't get why I call it that, I think you need to listen to our episodes more. Is that next though, Nick? Oh, no, my bad. My B. I think you Next need to look is, at the uh, outline more. Data writing, right? <laughs> Have you read it once, Mike? Oh, come on. Oh, feel that burn? That's the Jeremiah fire. No? no? I was going to hit it, but... Yeah. All right. Uh, next is date of writing, actually. Uh, the dates of, the, of his ministry span from the 13th year of King Josiah's reign. We see that in chapter 1 which was is considered to be the time frame of 622, 627 B.C. to possibly around 570 B.C. when Pharaoh was slaughtered. And we read about his slaughter in chapters 44. It was during these years that all the prophecies were compiled. And uh, the prophecies are not in chronological order. We'll have to post a chart, probably get it up there on BibleDingers.com, in order to help really explain just how sporadic That's the prophecies are. That's probably an empty process. Process. Promise. That's probably an empty promise, yeah. Yeah, well, in order, in order for you guys to see it, if we get it done, it'll be on BibleDingers.com. If. That's a big if. we if. do it. Yeah. But if, if we don't, feel free to make one and send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> um, for no money. Just yeah. 
and then we probably won't post that either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would love to post this. It's cool. Yeah. Um, the, but they're not chronological, but they're there, so you can read them. And just keep in mind that they're all over the place, and it doesn't read the same way history reads. Mm. So do some research if you want to know about the order. But it's not a difficult read. I actually enjoyed this book. Did you guys like it? Uh, I would say the opposite. I think it's a very difficult read. I think it's very long, but I think for the most part, it's very repetitive. So you can kind of pick up what it's putting down right away mm. without reading in depth. If someone wants to do it in depth, it's going to be a tough read. Yeah, I don't know if it's super tough to understand, but as far as reading it, it's definitely not like a light read. Like yeah, it's tedious. Lamentations is an easy read. Well, yeah, I suppose. It's a tough topic, well, but it's an easy read. Yeah, Jeremiah is one of the longest books, and it's one of... Okay. <laughs> Thank you. He was moving the tab and I hit it by mistake. <laughs> Thank one you. of the toughest That's books. Good point, Mark. <laughs> good point, Mark. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> anyway, next is okay. the... Uh... <laughs> good job, Mark. That was a really good point, man. Really loved it. It's so like it's like the Oscars or something weird. Yeah, yeah. It's like wrapping up. People start and the whole room it. stood up. Oh laughed. yeah, when they want him to shut up, right? <laughs> All right, that's it. That's it, Mark. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> this always happens. <laughs> oh man. You know what Ryan just did to you? Get that out of my face. That's oh. what he did. Uh, anyway, dated events is next. Like I said before, if you don't know what that means or why we call it that, it really means the date of the events. But because uh, we have good chemistry on the show, we create our own names for things, and I don't really know where it came from. Mm. Where did that come from? Just mispronunciation. Events, it's because you don't know how to talk, Nick. Well, I did I did not. <laughs> I did not create that. Let's just be clear. You ain't talking right. He, Ryan created that, so let's be clear, okay? Did I? Yes, it's Dated Events is you. We regularly talk like idiots on this show. Uh, that's true. Yep. That's true. Yep. So the events prophesied about prophesied. prophesied the events prophesied about and occurring last from around six twenty five BC. We see that in chapters one through six to about five sixty BC. We see that in chapter fifty two. You could see the background of what's going on during Jeremiah's Jeremiah's time in First Kings twenty two through 25, and Second Chronicles 34 through 36. Uh, the next point is this was during the reign of Judah's final five kings. Josiah, Jehoahaz, right? <laughs> Jehoahaz. Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoahaz, Jehoachin, Jehoiakim, right? Jehoiakim? Jehoiachin. Jehoiachin? Jehoiachin. And Zedekiah. Jehoiachin. Yeah. That's that's the character that's from what we Super. Used to do. Yeah, yeah. From, uh, Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, right before the deportation to Babylon, so this was during the reign of Judah's final five kings, and right before the deportation to Babylon. And during this time, the sin and idolatry in Judah was rampant. We see it all throughout the book. Fake gods everywhere. They loved. Worshipping and sacrificing to fake gods. And it was all leading to the Babylonian exile. This is why you see Jeremiah constantly prophesying about the coming tragedies and why he was always weeping over Israel. He prophesied a lot, and we're going to get into this. And he cried a lot. No one ever believed him. They always thought he was lying. Mm. Why are you lying to me? Where is that? Oh, yeah. He was called weeping, the weeping prophet. The weeping prophet, yeah. yeah. So he's kind of a sissy. 
Are you lying to me? It's like, are you lying to me? With how long it's taking you to find yeah, that? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, he's the weeping prophet. So, uh, next is... Uh, Ryan thinks he could beat him in a fight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. General purpose. So, there's a few things that we can say about <laughs> the purpose of this book. Jeremiah's original purpose was to call Judah to repentance before an army from the north come upon them as judgment. So that's one uh, very specific purpose. The next, in the grander scheme, we learn in this book about God's characteristic of mercy. Uh, We see he has compassion, right? Even in times when we ignore him, he is still faithful to restore Judah after the constant and consistent disobedience of Israel. So that's a specific purpose. While I was reading it, um, I think there's a very applicable purpose. Again, we don't want to put ourselves and make ourselves character of the Bible, right? We don't want to say, oh, we're David, we can sling giants. But again, we can see the same path that Israel had in their life of constantly disobeying God and not listening to his voice and having God judge them and, and then, you know, someone came to them and warned them about everything going on and they didn't listen and they didn't obey. We see that around the world today. It wasn't specific to Israel. We're, we're here to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole world. And there are going to be people that are going to ignore us regardless of the evidence we show or no matter what we try to do, the people are going to ignore us. So we, we can kind of see it today. Yeah. I just want to say, we're going to say that um, a big topic of this book is God's mercy, but that doesn't come without the other big topic, which is how much God hates sin, mm-hmm. which is also Absolutely. all over this book. Yeah, 100%. And so you see just how terrible these judgments sound, but they're they're uh, put against just how much God wants to uh, reconcile his people. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and another thing, while I was reading it, I realized that God has compassion, but the compassion never cancels out his will. It never cancels out his purpose. Justice. Yeah, his justice. His What he wants is going to happen regardless of how much compa- compassion he has. A lot of people will say, oh, he has compassion on us. That means he's not going to do it. That's not evident in this book. God had his way, and he commanded they obey. So it's just something that I, uh, that I noticed while I was reading. Anyway, what's next, Ryan? It's time for... French fries. Red facts. <laughs> I'm out of breath there at the end. <laughs> All right. The first fun fact for the book of Jeremiah is that Jeremiah is the only prophetic book that gives you a real kind of commentary, I guess, into Jeremiah's personality. All the other prophetic books are real straightforward. It's really just what the prophet is saying to Israel or Judah, and that's pretty much it. But the book of Jeremiah really lets you see his personality and uh, and his life events as well. And the fact about Jeremiah's life is that his life really was terrible. He had a really sucky life. Um, he was constantly tormented and ridiculed by the people that he was serving. He was basically a failure because... Nobody, no one listened to no his one. prophecies or anything. Nobody changed anything. And what's funny is they asked him for it too. Yeah, right. Like, hey, you got any advice for us? Yeah, and We're he not would tell take them anyway. the truth, <laughs> yeah. and they were like, no. He got, he also got taken into captivity, 
and his prophecies pretty much fell on deaf ears, mm-hmm. and then he just died. <laughs> and so his life kind of looked like a failing life, uh, looking from the outside. Uh, and because of that, the second point uh, about Jeremiah is that he probably wow. had clinical depression. Um, and you see that throughout the way that he speaks about himself mm-hmm. and his anguish and, and his pain. He says he feels pain in his stomach. He feels pain in his heart. And he's constantly crying. He feels like a failure. Mm-hmm. He he said his eyes are, are springs of water that never cease. And so it's it's obviously kind of a conclusion that I'm jumping to, but it really seems like the prophet Jeremiah did have depression uh, when, when he was living his life. The last point about the book of Jeremiah is that besides the book of Psalms, Jeremiah is, is the longest book in the Bible. And that's as far as words, not necessarily like the amount of verses. And also, if you didn't know, verses were added later. Obviously the the original authors didn't have verse numbers. They didn't section out each sentence. Right. Jeremiah is the longest book of the Bible as far as words. Um, however, it's it's really repetitive. You know, it's not like a lot of new information throughout the entire book. Like the the book of Psalms is there's a lot of different things in it. Uh, lots of different types of Psalms. Lots of different types of writing. Even the Jeremiah is pretty repetitive, but the repetition of the book of Jeremiah is purposeful, and it's used for emphasis to prove a point. Totally. With the book. And that's that's it. That's my fun facts about the book of Jeremiah. That's awesome. I love fun facts. Thank you. You want me to wrap it up? Wrap it up? Yeah. You just yeah. want me to stop talking? Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And next, uh, you know how we do every single show. We get through the uh, general outline of the book. So we're going to get that now. So in the introduction of Jeremiah, we see his... Should we mention before we get into the outline that, like I said in my fun fact, this is the longest book of the Bible. Yes. So, so we might end up skipping yeah. smaller points. I, I was going to say, once we get to the end, we can kind of browse through. Once we get kind of to the... Uh, you want to browse it? through? Yeah, browse through. That makes sense, right? Like eyebrows? Yeah. Browse through. Okay. You know, well, yeah, this is very long. Hands down, the longest outline we've done to date, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah hands down, the longest outline Because we didn't do an outline so, for Psalms because that didn't make sense. In other words, if you have three hours to listen to this episode, go for it. No, no, no. We're going to go as fast as we can. So the introduction <laughs> of Jeremiah is son of Hilkiah. We see that in chapter one, you know, just some brief words describing who he is and stuff like that. The call and commission of Israel we see in chapter one as well. Uh, the call and commission of Jeremiah. My bad. <laughs> chapter one. Uh, verse 4 through 19. Um, Jeremiah's call. So while you were in the room, I had a plan for you. This is what the verses are saying. It made me think, uh, did you ever have a 3D ultrasound done? Of myself? No, when your, I, wife, I when your wife was pregnant. Um, I don't, I don't know. Was it 3D? I don't know. Well, we went to like this Christian, um, you know, 3D ultrasound place where they had verses everywhere. Mm. And one of the verses that you saw almost everywhere was this. While you're in the room, I had a plan for you. Do mm. you think that's taking it out of context? Um, Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. What? Because it was only directed towards Jeremiah. It was definitely directed towards Jeremiah. But, uh, you, you know, you could probably still take a lesson out of it. Yeah, I this, feel like uh, it was everywhere. A hermeneutic. Just made me think of that. Mm-hmm. Hermeneutic to take out of that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
And then, um, so, and then the second thing in chapter one is two confirming visions. So we have uh, one vision of the almond branch, and, and almond sounds like the Hebrew word for watching, which is exactly what the vision means, and a boiling pot facing the way from the north. So there's disaster out of the north. Those, that's what those two visions are. Then we have uh, Jeremiah's commission in chapter one as well. Tell, tell the people of Israel everything that God commands, and since he's rightfully judging them, they made offerings to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. So again, we're going to see this everywhere throughout this entire book. They are constantly worshiping false gods. <clears throat> and uh, actually, I, I should say that this book has a lot of points. What do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 points. 13 points in this book alone. So please. You know what to do, Mark. <laughs> delay. <laughs> Smash that delay button. <laughs> Make sure that you're catching on here and you do your own research and don't take this episode alone for your knowledge about the book of Jeremiah. Make sure you read it on your own and do some research. Uh, so do some the, research. Uh, research, research. <laughs> anyway, the second point of this book are oracles. What are oracles? We're throwing that word around in this, uh, in this outline. An oracle is any utterance made or received as authoritative, extremely wise or infallible. Look at and, you. Yeah. So these oracles were dealing with apostasy. What's apostasy mean? It means abandonment of a religious belief. There we go. So these are oracles that are dealing with apostasy. That's what Israel was being accused of in this book and repentance. We see that in chapter two. So as we dive further, we'll see that their apostasy is evident. And we see that they were serving worthless idols and they become worthless themselves. So... There we go. All right. Next, we see Yahweh's indictment, which is a formal charge or accusation of serious crimes of his people for their apostasy in chapter 2. So we see Yahweh's remembrance of Israel. So if you get into the reading, uh, you'll notice the marriage metaphor here in chapter 2. They were once a holy people, their love as a bride. And then we see Yahweh's claims to having dealt justly with his people in chapter 2. God blessed them, brought them into a plentiful land to enjoy its good things. And we're going to try to move as fast as possible. And now we see Israel, Israel's irrationality. Although God was good to them, Israel abandoned him. We see this not only in this book, like I mentioned before, but it seems like this is Israel's constant journey. Kind of like us, you know? God tells us what to do, and we just don't do it. Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll go through these fast. Israel's perverse conduct in chapter 2, they forsook God. Israel's ingratitude in chapter 2, they didn't appreciate God's goodness. Israel's animal, animal-like behavior. Rawr. Rawr. Do we have an animal? <laughs> do we have an animal soundbite? Yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. We got the, the porpoise. Um, so, as we discussed in the beginning of the outline, they were Rawr. accused of apostasy since they were running around after different idols. Um, Israel's shame because of her apostasy. It, it, it describes it as a thief, like a thief is shamed when caught, so the house of Israel will be shamed as well. It says that in, in, in chapter 2, verses 25 to 27. Shame. 
Shame, shame, shame. So then we see that again in chapter two, Israel's idols, idols cannot save them. Israel's failure to respond to divine discipline, God continued to try to fix them and, and command them. They didn't change even when God punishes them. This is really, really a bad look for Israel. Then we see Israel's forgetfulness in chapter 2. They forgot how good was God was to them. How can God do so much for them and, and bless them so much, and yet you still fall back to sin instead of Bruh. listening to Him? Why? Then, uh, if that's not clear about their hard-heartedness, we see it again. They try to maintain their innocence, even while they sin. They're like, God, I'm good. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm innocent. I, 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 why are you punishing me from something that I, I did like last week? Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to do it again tomorrow, but I'm good today. So why are you continuously punishing me? That's just like you, Nick. Yeah. That's just like Just you. like me. Mm-hmm. Look at you. <clears throat> so that's chapters one and two. Uh Following that, obviously, is chapter 3. And chapter 3 is mostly about Yahweh's call for his people's repentance. Um, and it starts in verses 1 through 11. There's a couple analogies here. Do you say analogies or analogies? Analogies. Yeah, I think I do too. But you did. But in that moment, I said analogies, unfortunately. Analogies. Was... <laughs> uh, both of these analogies are, are like... Um, God comparing Israel to an unfaithful spouse. And we'll see that more when we cover the book of Hosea. That's in a lot of the Old Testament. Yep. Um, following that, there's an appeal for the Israelites in the north to return from the Lord. And then immediately after that, there's an appeal for all Israelites to return to the Lord. So um, during the time of Jeremiah, there was a split between the kingdoms. And you'll learn more about that if you go back and listen to the historical books that we went over. There was Israel to the north, and there was Judah to the south. Um, so he was at first talking specifically to the northern kingdom, and then he talked to both of them together. Following that, there's the promise of a beautiful land in spite of former treachery. Um, and then, of course, the end of chapter 3 is the anticipation of Israel's repentance. So Jeremiah is prophesying that one day Israel re- is Israel will repent, and they will one day go back to their land. <laughs> All right, and then into chapter 4, Just the I'm just going to do the first few verses of chapter 4. The first part is a Gentile blessing, and that's just verses 1 and 2. And Jeremiah is saying there that Gentiles will be blessed if Israel repents. And then following that, there's a warning concerning non-repentance, which of course is that God will punish them if there's no repentance. All right, and then directly after those first four verses, there's the swift and complete destruction coming on Judah and Jerusalem. And that's the rest of chapter four all the way through chapter six. And really, these two chapters are, I'm not going to really get into the details about these. For the most part, it's just about the judgment that is to come for the southern kingdom um, because they are not repenting. And it does get a little bit into the details. It says that um, <clears throat> God's going to send a nation to destroy Israel. So it doesn't, it's not ambiguous. It's very detailed. I guess you could say the prophecy is coming from Jeremiah. He says a nation will come. There's a couple analogies in here. One about a vineyard that will be destroyed. Um, one saying that Israel is like um, Sodom, that there's no one righteous and it will be destroyed. 
Um, so that's mostly chapters four through six. Nick, do you want to pick it up from the end of chapter six to chapter eight? In the middle of chapter six into chapter eight, we see oracles describing Yahweh's rejection of the Israelites. So Israel has rejected silver in chapter six. That's another. That's one analogy. Misplaced trust in the temple in chapter seven. So God told Jeremiah to stand in front of the temple and tell them that their rituals would not save them because they have sinful hearts. Uh, we, we see a bunch of different analogies. The queen of heaven cult, reliance on the ritual of worship, a lament because of the Lord's rejection. So that's where Jeremiah calls for mourning because of God's rejection. These are all different analogies that God is sending Jeremiah to do and, and, and the people to do to, to really symbolize what he wants them to do and how he wants them to act. But of course... Oh, I got a new neighbor who has a loud car. Gotcha. And it's like lime green. <laughs> Great. <laughs> So again, you know, these are oracles and, and analogies that, that Jeremiah is telling them to do uh, from God, and they're not listening. Um, and then in the middle of chapter 8, we see the unnaturalness of Israel's behavior. Even animals follow God's law, but Israel doesn't. <laughs> right? And uh, if, if this isn't as clear as it's supposed to be, we're going to make it even clearer now. Judah, Israel... They're being stubborn. We see that from chapter 8 all the way through chapter 9. So Typical. We don't have to uh, give you many details on this. They're stubborn people, very stubborn people. They continuously worship false idols. So in chapter 10, again, this point is brought up. What is the difference between idols and Yahweh? Because they're acting like they're innocent. They're acting like they don't do anything wrong. So there's vanity in idols. So in chapters 10, they're made of wood and silver. Obviously, Yahweh is not. Um, and then they give a warning concerning idols in chapter 10. Any idols will be burned up. More fire! Fire! From Jeremiah! Yeah, fire. that boom fire is going to burn up all them idols. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, so the omnipotence of Yahweh is displayed in this book. Hold up. Hold up. Hold you don't up, know what Jeremiah. that means. God created the universe while their idols, their wooden idols, do not. They cannot uh, create anything, really. They can't even create themselves. Um, and then more oracles, then more suffering on Jeremiah in chapter 11 through 20. So this, we see here, the consequences of breaking the Mosaic Covenant. This is really deep stuff. I would advise you, if you guys don't know what the Mosaic Covenant is, do a quick search online. Listen to some of our uh, episodes that we discuss this stuff. Exodus, Leviticus, Yeah, Exodus, numbers. Leviticus, Numbers, like Ryan said. Deuteronomy. They, uh, are you Deuteronomy? <laughs> uh, I, I think we had that soundbite somewhere, but... maybe. So there's, uh, there's big consequences of breaking this Mosaic law, the broken covenant. So Israel's ancestors had broken the Mosaic covenant by having false gods. And guess what? Like we keep saying, so did they. And then uh, for some odd reason, <laughs> they wanted to kill Jeremiah in chapter 11 and, uh, because they didn't want him prophesying anymore. <laughs> like why? And he was prophesying in the name of the Lord. He was warning them of all these things. And guess what? God punished the plotters, and they were unsuccessful. And then uh, questions about God's justice. Jeremiah questions why evil people thrive. So God said, basically, you know, they might have all these things, but they don't have me. And then we see Yahweh's response in chapter 12. He's forsaken them and abandoned them all because of their hearts. 
that refuse to obey him. So God is justified. He's completely justified throughout this entire book. And uh, let's just uh, keep going faster here. Faster. We're going pretty dang fast. I was reading a psalm the other day. It was like 115. And it talks about how the idols have no eyes. They can't see. They can't hear. They can't speak. And then the ironic thing is they say, and the people who worship them are the same way. Mm. Oh, I like that. It's deep. Deep stuff. This is good. Yeah, really, really good. Talking about deep stuff. uh, The linen wasteland in chapter 13 is super deep. So God told Jeremiah to put it by the river. Such a deep waistband. Yeah, it is. So he said to put it on by the river and come back in a few days. No, not put it on. But he said, put it by the river and come back in a few days. It was ruined and no longer cling to Jeremiah's waist. So this signifies the fact that Israel no longer clings to God. Whoa. So this I got a couple pairs of those. <laughs> those waistbands, bro. Yeah. They don't make them like they used to. It's It only happens when I go and put it by the river for a few days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I put it on the radiator at home to make them dry, they stay right there. Somehow next to the river, they're gone. <laughs> That dang river. (laughs) All right, next, we see the parable of the wine jars. So in chapter 13, kings will be filled with wine like wine jars and will attack each other. Although in other parts of the book, God shows compassion. He never allows his compassion to keep him from his will. So he's going to destroy him. Dunzo. He's going to destroy him. They deserved it. Dunzo. And then a call for repentance, chapter 13. So verses 15 through 17 are very beautiful. They can easily be applied to us today. Listen and pay attention. What does it say? Do not be arrogant, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord before it's too late. <laughs> You're talking so fast. <laughs> I'm trying to get done. Guys, you, this, you this, don't have to talk fast to get it done fast. This outline. You is. just summarize, you know, like. Gotcha. Instead of a paragraph, just say a sentence or two. Okay. And just, you know, like, like chill, bro. Yeah, I'm chilling. I'm you chilling. You feel me? So this is what it said. For the Lord of God has spoken. Give glory to the Lord before it's too late. <laughs> there we go. And then in chapter 13, basically it's saying, be humble, sit down, and oh. listen to God. Uh, and Jer- Jer- Jerusalem's shamefulness is also displayed in chapter 13. This is another intense piece of writing. This right here is like God's mic drop. Verses, ooh, verses 21 and 22. Pangs of anguish will grip you like those of a woman and labor. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you may ask yourself, why is this happening to me? It is because of your many sins. Oh, okay. Oh, you hesitated. Uh, yeah, I like how you, okay, yeah. I wasn't reading, but then you said in labor, so it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But at first you only said the, pang, the pangs of anguish, anguish will grip you like a woman. Like a woman. Yeah. Yep. Like in a labor. woman. Oh! Like a woman, bro. And then false god <laughs> alert. Duh. In chapter 13 again. Pick it up, Ryan. Okay. Um. So chapters 14 and 15 are basically just laments by Jeremiah um, that talk about in more detail what the suffering is going to be like. And kind of specifically, he talks about how there's going to be drought and national defeat. So he's prophesying here about Babylon coming and bringing Judah into exile. Um, So that's chapters 14 and 15. After that, there is chapters 16 through 17, which is kind of like some prohibitions and proverbs and prayers. It's a little bit of a break from the 
destruction and prophesying about the future judgment, um, but it's still related. So, for instance, in the beginning of chapter 16, there's a few things that God prohibited Jeremiah from doing, such as he could not have a wife and kids, uh, he could not mourn for people who died, and he could also not comfort mourners who had somebody that died. And these are all things that God wanted Jeremiah to do as an object lesson. Whoa! Oh, bad guys. You attacking me, bro? These are all things that God prohibited Jeremiah from doing as kind of an object lesson to show Judah that his that his punishment and judgment is going to be severe. Uh, but I don't think the Bible, it's not trying to teach us that we can't mourn for people. Well, right. People would take that out of context. Of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course, you always have to take in the context of what's going on, who's speaking to who, what's the situation, and things like that. Um, you can't just read verse for verse and say, this verse applies to me, this verse applies to me, this verse applies to me. And that's kind of really why we're doing the show, honestly, so that you can understand the books further, understand who the original author was, the audience, and things like that, so you can apply it to your life better. Got it. Um, so there's a few more analogies like that in in those couple chapters. Um, it talks about the true temple. It talks about the foolishness of following your own heart. It talks about the foolish of amassing a bunch of riches unjustly, things like that. So there's like random proverbs, analogies, things like that. But they're all related to what's going on and what Jeremiah is trying to tell to Israel. Um, Following that, there's a few prophecies about brokenness in particular. And that's chapter 17 through 20. And what I mean by saying that is there's prophecies about Judah breaking the Sabbath and because of that, this theme of breaking kind of comes up over and over again. So at first, God talks about them breaking the Sabbath. And then following that, there's kind of an object lesson about a potter's broken vessel, about how there's this potter who has a vessel that's all jacked up, but he had to rework it and fix it. And God is saying that he has the power to do that with Israel. And then he brings up them breaking the covenant. And then there's kind of this breaking of Jeremiah's ministry because people stop listening to him. Then there's a breaking of Jeremiah's opponents because Jeremiah prays for their punishment. Then there's a broken jar object lesson where Jeremiah broke a jar and he basically said this is going to happen to Israel. Then there's breaking of Jeremiah's freedom and confidence. And then eventually it kind of culminates with Jeremiah trusting that God will break his enemies because Jeremiah is kind of being persecuted in this time. And then the last four verses of this section are Jeremiah's brokenness at having survived his birth. So this is kind of, I guess, clues into what I was talking about in the fun facts about how Jeremiah might have depression. Um, There's these four verses here where he just talks about how he wishes that he would have died during childbirth and that he wishes he wouldn't have to live and suffer and stuff like that. So that's how that brokenness section ends. It's kind of a sad section um, filled with analogies and things like that, that all pertain to brokenness. Um, So it's an interesting section. I like how it's all tied together there in those couple chapters. Following that, in chapters 21 through 23, there's some messages concerning Judah's kings and false prophets. Essentially, it just lists out a bunch of uh, wicked kings and prophets and that they're all going to be judged and taken care of. You know what I mean? 
And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it up until chapter 23. Nikki, do you want to do chapters 24 through 29? Sure. 24 through 29 are messages designed to prepare for life in exile. So uh, first we see the, the two baskets of figs in chapter 22, good figs, bad figs. The basket of, of good figs is the people that will be exiled in Babylon, and the bad figs are those who flee to Egypt and the remnants of people who stay behind in Jerusalem. Um, also, indictments of Judah and the nations, chapter 25, uh, Yahweh's cup of wrath for the nations. So one of the things that I, that I was questioning, is this a real cup? It was a little confusing. So the cup of, the cup of wrath. Were you really questioning that, Nick? Yeah. Yeah, you thought it was an actual cup of yeah. wrath? Red Solo cup. <laughs> was it, is it, do you want a cup of my happiness, Mark? No. <laughs> I got it right here, guys. No, that's not a real cup. You're holding a fake cup. This is a real cup. Making a circle with your hands. So uh, you guys want some? No, Nick. All right. So God sent Jeremiah with a cup of wrath for a bunch of nations to drink. Delicious. Was that a super size? Dude, it was huge. <laughs> Let me get a super size of the wrath. It, can I get a super size of wrath? You know, the only reason why I, why I threw that joke in at the end is because it was such a bad trail of jokes <laughs> that I thought it would be funny just to re-bring it up, re-bring up the bad jokes. And I, I thought that, I don't know. Yeah, so <laughs> in the next three points, if it's not obvious, God is literally coming down on everybody. Literally coming everybody. down in a cup. Universal judgment to come, chapter 25. Ex- the extent of the coming judgment in chapter 25. The whole earth is going to be judged. The coming judgment on national leaders as well in chapter 25. So he's coming down on everybody. He's not just saying, hey, look at you. Look at you. He's not saying that. He's saying everybody, everybody, I'm coming down on you guys, okay? Hey, look at you. <laughs> look at you, bro. And um, so then the cost of prophetic preaching. So what happens here? Jeremiah and Uriah. How much does it cost? Uh, what, what does it cost? Does it cost a cup of happiness? Cup of two tree dollars. Does it, does it cost a cup of happiness? Or does it cost a cup of happiness or wrath? What's going on here? Uh, Jeremiah and Uriah are being good guys and trying to warn everybody about what's going on. And, and they're, he's, they're trying to say what God is, is, is doing here. And what happens? I don't know. What? What happens? Why? They try to kill him. So the, the unsuccessful, unsuccessful attempt to kill Jeremiah in chapter 26, priests and prophets wanted to kill him because he's prophesying in the name of the Lord, and they wanted to kill him because they just wanted to do what they wanted to do. And, uh, but others changed their mind. They're like, all right, let's just do it later. And then the successful attempt to kill Uriah was in chapter 26. He prophesied destruction like Jeremiah and fled to Egypt. And when people tried to kill him, but they caught him and killed him. Bruh. So this is my favorite part of the whole book. This is where... When they caught and killed Uriah, literally the good prophet of the Jeremiah Lord. is wearing some yokes, bro. He's wearing some yokes. Uh, this is an interesting part. Yokes. So this is... Uh, mm. Can I admit something here? No. Can, guys, I don't know who's watching. It's not telling me, but can I admit something? I thought he was wearing some egg yolks, bro. <laughs> I thought he had like, like literally... I don't believe that you thought that. I thought he had a bunch of eggs on his face, I don't believe that you thought he had egg yolks. I don't believe that you thought it was a real cup. I don't believe that. Wouldn't it just slide off his head, bro? (laughs) 
Wouldn't it literally, if I cracked an egg, wouldn't it just slide off? Yeah, but... So, um, it was my blonde moment. There's some weird stories, like the, the poop story we had. Ah, uh, yep, that's true. Mm. Use this poop to cook your food. Talk about ding moments. Yeah, you're done, Mark. These are dings. <laughs> These are the things we do. I thought you were going to keep, you know... I, yeah, that didn't work out. I thought you were going to keep talking, and I was going to cut you off with that. But you were done. So. so in chapter 28, didn't work. Hananiah, the prophet from Gideon, breaks Jeremiah's yoke. Yo, he dips some toast in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Can you actually tell us what actually happens? <laughs> Do you know what a yoke is? Yeah, it's a wooden yoke. Oh, okay. It's a wooden yoke. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yo, I'm just yoking, bro. Calm down. <laughs> I'm just yoking, bro. Oh, <laughs> so the prophet from Gideon breaks Jeremiah's yoke and says that Babylon will not be put... <laughs> when, whoa, sorry. That that Babylon will not put Judah in servitude. Babylon, so, well, Babylonian. You know, I love a sandwich with Babylonian cheese. <laughs> Babylonian. Babylonian cheese is my favorite sandwich, bro. So he's they're breaking yolks with the Babylonian cheese sandwich, <laughs> and it's it's yo. This is getting deep, bro. Mom's spaghetti. With mom's spaghetti. They're shoving it in their waistbands. And there's vomit <laughs> on Jeremiah's sweater already. <laughs> you know? And uh, Guys, Jer- so, you know what? It's lunchtime. They break some yolks. <laughs> Jeremiah write a, writes a letter to them. And uh, this is what the letter said. He was trying to encourage to settle in Babylon for a long cap- captivity. And uh, he wanted judgment on Jeremiah Sh- uh, <laughs> and his descendants for yeah. going against Jeremiah's letter to the exiles. Okay? <laughs> All right, so if you didn't learn anything in this entire point of this outline, just remember this. You break yolks with sandwich, and you get letters. That's <laughs> not the point at all. <laughs> but anyways. No, no, he had a wooden yoke. It was, you know, and uh, he wrote letters to, because this is what God was telling him to do. So all jokes aside, um, they weren't willing to, to listen to what Jeremiah had to say regardless. There was nothing that he could say to convince them, even though it was apparent that God was telling Jeremiah these things. They didn't listen anyway. So they were making a, a yoke out of him. <laughs> okay. Um, next, we're going to jump to chapters 30 through 33. And the first part of these is the restoration of all of Israel, and that's in chapters 30 and 31. And this actually, like we mentioned before, it's not exactly chronological. The beginning of chapter 30 is the actually the superscription and the introductory oracle uh, for Jeremiah's ministry. So this is the, like the first prophecy that Jeremiah speaks is the beginning of chapter 30. And basically, it's God telling Jeremiah to write what he tells him into a book. Um, so this is where we see the beginning of the book of Jeremiah. It's in chapter 30. Following that, it's just talking about God's patience and his grace and how he's going to restore Israel. And then one of the most important portions of scripture in the Old Testament, or maybe even the Bible, is in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 40. And this is where God promises to create a new covenant. And he says that God will put his covenant in Israel. He says Israel's hearts um, in the text and he will forgive their sins. But as we know, living in the new covenant age, living in the church age, that he did create a new covenant, and it was in Christ when Christ died on the cross for us. Um, So this was a really important prophecy in the book of Jeremiah. 
just prophesying that Jesus will come, take away our sins, and all that stuff that he did. It's that famous verse, I know the plans I have for you. Yeah. No, that already came. No, it's Jeremiah yeah. 31. Mm, no. It's Jeremiah 29, 11, you fool. I don't know off the top of my head either. I think that's the same one as he knit you together in the womb. No. No, it's not? Jeremiah 31. Okay. You might be right. He was not right. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No. Yeah, I am right. <laughs> Anyways, um, so that's 30 and 31. After that is chapter 32, and that's um, this is like an analogy where Jeremiah purchased some land, and basically there's a transaction over some land, and it was to signify that one day there will be transactions in in their land again. So it's to signify that Israel is going to go off to be judged, and then they will come back, and one day they will do real estate transactions again in their own land. Um, and that's what that was supposed to signify. Then there's some more uh, oracles about restoration and covenants in chapter 33. Following that is uh, section 8. That's chapters 34 through 36. And the theme of these few chapters is broken and kept covenants. Um, So chapter 34 is about covenant unfaithfulness. And it specifically talks about King Zedekiah and the Jerusalemites' unfaithfulness and fate, which is judgment. Um, And then following that in chapter 35 is the covenant faithfulness. And that is Jeremiah being faithful and also this people group called the Rechabites, R-E-C-H-A-B-I-T-E-S, which I don't know a lot about. Good people? They were good people. Um, And so chapter 35 is about the Rechabites being good people and how they're going to be okay through all of it. Chapter 36 is Jeremiah's scroll. What happens in this chapter is Jeremiah has Baruch, who we mentioned before, in the author section uh, is his scribe or his assistant. He had Baruch read a scroll about the coming destruction and then the scroll gets burned. More fire! Fire! From Jeremiah! Jeremiah 5. Guess guess what? What? It's Jeremiah 29. Is it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I was not right. Hmm. That's okay. I I edit the show. I can cut out when I make mistakes. Oh, (laughs) don't do it. Be transparent. All right, so that's section eight. Following that is section nine, which is the events surrounding the fall of Jerusalem. And so this is more of a historical uh, few chapters. This starts with chapter 37, where um, it's kind of the beginning of Jeremiah's prison experiences. And then it gets even worse for him. He gets transferred to uh, a different guardhouse, and then he gets thrown into a muddy cistern for a while, and then... And then he's rescued from the cistern. And then this section kind of ends with Zedekiah, who's the king, interviewing Jeremiah. And he's just asking Jeremiah all these questions about um, Israel's future. Following that is the actual fall of Jerusalem. And that's in chapter 39, the beginning part. And verses 1 through 10 of chapter 39 talk about Zedekiah's capture. He, He actually tried to run away when the Babylonians came through to capture and exile them, but he got caught him and a few of his boys and they actually poked his eyeballs out. So interesting fact there for King Zedekiah. 
After that, um, Jeremiah was actually released from prison. The Babylonian leaders ordered for Jeremiah to be released and for him to be taken care of. So uh, Jeremiah actually had some favor in the eyes of Babylon. After that is the end of chapter 39 into 40, and that just talks about how God's grace um, extends to people that were faithful to him. So there's a couple people that this mentions, and basically God had grace on them because they were still faithful to him in this sinful time. All right, next is the incidents after the fall of Jerusalem in chapters 40 through 44. This is basically turmoil on the land where, uh, you know, the governor of the remnant gets murdered, and um, you get some visitors with their shaved head and and, and cuts. Uh, I don't know, Ryan originally said they got beat up, right? Yeah, they did get beat up. They did get beat up. Okay, so uh, the, they also got murdered. A bunch of stuff is happening here. Obviously, uh, the fall had no good effect on these people. Um, and then uh, the, the Gibeon rescue goes south. So this is the group that confronted Ishmael, started heading towards Egypt for safety. And... Uh, now they wanted God's guidance in chapter 42. So these we have these refugees, and uh, they had a request for divine guidance in 42. They asked Jeremiah what they should do and where they should go. And um, Jeremiah told them to stay right there. And what did they do? They stayed right there. Did they? I don't know. Did they? Nope. They asked for advice, <laughs> and then they don't take it. So this is uh, a typical throughout the entire book. Um, it, is there any such thing as a reverse ding moment? So, so they asked Jeremiah for help. He says, stay right there. And they say, you lie. And they go somewhere else. <laughs> That's a great summary of that section right there. Hold on. I just stone cold stunner. Okay. So the refugees did not listen to Jeremiah. They wind up going to Egypt in chapter 43. Uh, they end up they end up taking the remnant, including Jeremiah, to Egypt. And um, Jeremiah has some final prophecies in chapter 44. And these are prophecies against Queen of Heaven worship. So this is one of the idols that they worship. Practicers will be punished. Again, they don't believe Jeremiah, and they do it anyway. Jeremiah is such a poor guy, man. Like, honestly. I can't believe it. Honestly. He's a poor guy. And then uh, we have more prophecies of the refugees and Egypt's destruction in chapter 44. This is at the end of the chapter. That most of the refugees will die, but a small remnant of the remnant will return to Judah. A remnant of the remnant. Remnant of the remnant. Then we see Baruch's despair, which uh, we said earlier was Jeremiah's scribe. He's scared of dying, man. Chapter 45, he's scared of dying. And God says that his life will be spared. So at least we have some type of compassion. This is where God has compassion on Baruch. Some type. uh, Thanks, God. Ryan, take it home, bro. You want me to finish this book of the Bible? Take it home, baby. So the 12th chapter, and we haven't, or 12th section, I mean, we haven't really been giving you the section numbers because there's so many, I guess it's yeah. hard to keep track of. There's, there's a ton of them. Just something that I want to tell you guys. If you're reading through this and you're a little confused, just hit us, you know, throw us an email or something. Like ask us any questions throw that you might us. have. Yeah, just, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, no. Uh, send us an email with whatever question you have about this book. The purpose of our episodes is to give you a general idea as to what's going on in this book so that when you dive in and you start reading it yourself, you'll have a general sense of what's going on. So just to give you an idea of what we're doing. So um, chapters 46 through 51 are basically prophecies about other nations. So these are not 
necessarily concerning Judah so much. Um, chapter 46 is prophecies against Egypt. 47 is prophecies against the Philistines. Chapter 48 is prophecies against the Moabites. Um, the beginning of chapter 49 is prophecies against the Ammonites. The middle of chapter 49 is the oracles against the Edomites. The end of chapter 49 are prophecies against Damascus, Arab tribes, and Elam. After that, chapters 50 and 51 are a ton of prophecies against Babylon, obviously because Babylon is the kingdom that took Judah into captivity. So they get special treatment when it comes to being destroyed. No reaction from that? Uh, No, that's cool. One, One part of the prophecies against Babylon that I really liked or thought was interesting was the very end, the last five chapters, there was kind of um, a dramatization of Babylon's judgment. And what happened here was that Jeremiah gave a book to Zedekiah, who was the king of Judah, describing everything that's going to happen to Babylon. And Jeremiah told Zedekiah to tie a rock to the book and throw it in the river when he's done reading it. And that signifies what's going to happen to Babylon. Babylon is going to get tied a to rock a to it, and there's going to be a book involved, and it's going to get thrown in the river. <laughs> so, interesting little analogy there, Jeremiah. Real yeah. creative. After that, there's chapter 52, and this is basically just like a postscript um, to sum up stuff that happened. There's the fate of Zedekiah in the beginning of 52. Um, basically just says that he became king at 21. He reigned for 11 years and he was terrible. And then he was captured by Babylon and then his, eye, his eyeballs got poked out. And then there's the fate of Jerusalem, which is basically the demolition of the city and how all those people got deported into Babylon. There's the looting of the temple and there was a execution of a bunch of people. And then there's actually a list of a lot of, of the people that were deported um, in the middle of chapter 52, you get a bunch of names of people that were brought into exile. And then finally, to end the book in chapter 52, verses 31 through 34, there's the release of Jehoiachin from prison. And that's when the king of Babylon released the king of Judah and gave him food and gave him allowance for the rest of his life. And that is the book of Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah up in the building. Building. Bible thing up in this thing. 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 <laughs> yeah, that that, epi- <coughs> <laughs> that episode was a little tough. Uh, this is going to be one of our longer episodes. If you stuck, you know, if you stood by us to the end, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. Again, this episode is not to take the place of your Bible. Um, but if you like what you hear, um, if you listen to all the other stuff, I'm sure it's not going to be as long. But if you like what you hear, go on Facebook, go on Instagram, go on Twitter, and uh, hit us up at Bible Dingers across the board. And while you're there, make sure to... Come on, Nikki. Who are you? I don't have the same. You always say make sure to. No, I don't. While you're there... Just give me the likes, don't pass and scroll. Don't pass and scroll. Make sure you hit subscribe, hit like, hit follow, and most importantly, ding on. 
Bible Dingers. I don't have it all together, but Jesus, I got you. I've realized how we got him, yeah, I need you to get me through.